If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. We're going to be talking... Utah USC with a recap on a failed two-point conversion and hit you up with a little Utah ASU. I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. How we doing? We could be doing better if Utah could get a victory down in Southern California. And now the streak of 100 years will continue. It's going to be 103 next time we have to listen to the (laughs) announcers. The the wind would have been... Worth it, just so we didn't have to keep hearing about this streak. <laughs> the funny thing is, I never even heard about this streak until just this past week. The 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 problem with this streak is it makes it sound like we have never competed in our lives. <laughs> when in reality, we played like four times over those hundred years in L.A. Very true. <laughs> but yeah, I love how they they show what show the. The area where the last time Utah got a win, and that's a parking garage next to Staples. Yeah, heartbreaking loss, though. That uh, that definitely uh, stunk up the weekend a little bit. But and I was, I definitely was excited that Wit chose to go for the win, though, even though it came up short. Yeah, I. I came away more optimistic after that loss than I than I have in a lot of W's that we've had over you know over the years, and uh, obviously the the first half was the best half I think we've played to date so far this year. We we were moving yeah, the ball offensively. Defense was was really good. We were opportunistic on some of those uh, fumbles by USC early. We didn't take advantage of every opportunity, but we we looked good. We looked like we had turned a corner. The second half, obviously, you know, the offense didn't do much, but the offense really was not on the field all that often. And then the fact that they couldn't get a first down, you know, we just gave the ball back to USC, and they just ate up most of that second half with a 92 and 88 and I believe a a 91-yard drive. And... uh, we couldn't get them off the field. We couldn't stop a third and long, a fourth and long. And so it really limited the offense in that second half until that final drive. But with all on the line, we did see a little bit of composure. We we saw the team not give in, and they came through when they needed to. 
And yeah, the call the call was was brilliant. I mean, you have to go for it in that situation. There's you know, obviously there's some differing opinions out there, but I love the call. The play call I really don't even have a problem with the play call either because there was a guy wide open in the back of the end zone. Even though the first option was well defended and taken away, if he progresses to to Carrington, you at least have a one point lead with forty. Was it forty two seconds left? So I, I want to go back to what yeah, you said in the the first half. What the offense only put up fourteen points because the the defense got the fumble return. Correct. However. I, I agree with you, Scott. It was promising because it wasn't three and outs. We had problems in the red zone, as as usual. You know, we had the turnover and, and a missed field goal, but I agree. It was optimistic the team was moving along, and that I kind of think that missed field goal was very disheartening to see that coming out of Matt Gay. Well, especially... The the guy, I believe, is one for three since he was awarded a scholarship. So we got we to gotta yank that scholarship. We got to make him a walk-on again because he was perfect as a walk-on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it wasn't a 50-yard field goal that he just pushed wide right. That was a chip shot that he missed, so that is unfortunate. And it's, I mean, when it happens that early in the game, you think that it's probably not going to play it make a difference in the outcome, but it, it very well could have been a, you know, you never know how things play out different, how things could play out differently, but in a one point game that uh, definitely could have played in our favor. And I think it's really disheartening too, because that's something that this offense has had to rely on all year it was for Matt Gay to come in and bail him out in the red zone by kicking those field goals. And when he missed that, I think I think it stings this Utah team more than a lot of other teams in the country that don't have as many problems as Utah does in the red zone. No, these these red zone issues are hampering this team from really meeting the expectations. And, I mean, Whittingham tonight on the coaches' show in, at Smith uh, mentioned that uh, – they worked extremely hard off all off season. They've been working so hard this season to figure out what 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 has been going wrong and trying to fix it. And it, you know, he sounded extremely frustrated. That they have not been able to fix it yet. So it, it's really interesting with all the effort that they are putting into this, and they still have not been able to get over the get over that uh, that mountain. That's frustrating. You know, I mean, it, yes, fans were frustrated by it. I mean, it definitely, from a fan standpoint, it, it truly is, is frustrating. But, you know, in watching, kind of looking back at that game, in some respects, and we'll only know by watching from here on out, but in some respects, you think maybe they turned the corner because, granted, there were some drives there in the second half where we couldn't get anything going. But after that turnover and missed field goal, every opportunity we had in the red zone, I think we ended up scoring. It took a trick play to get in there originally, but hey, what at this point, whatever it takes. I mean, I don't care. exactly. I don't care if you need to start pulling people out of the stands to set screens or something. 
you've got to get into the end zone and uh, whatever it's going to take at this point. But yeah, I, I felt I felt that they really did turn a corner, and I know it's hard to say, and it's probably weird to say in a in a loss. But with all being said, with a backup quarterback, we've got you know our defensive ends, our two starting defensive ends, just cannot stay healthy and cannot stay in there. You know, we we've experienced some some tough injuries. Singleton went out uh, early in that game after you know he was pretty good early on. And so with all being said, in in a quote-unquote rebuilding year, you know, two losses by a total of four points to two ranked teams in the last two weeks. Granted, it's still a loss whether you lose by one or 30. But I think, I think we're close. And if we can get Huntley back, I think we're going to be instantly right there again. Well, I think the other thing that's, that was really promising that we haven't really hit on is the rushing attack with Zach Moss. I think he had one of his best games of his career, not only this year. uh, He finished with 141 yards on 20 carries. Really, he 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 turned into a different player. No, he, he, I mean, by far the best game he's he's had as a Ute. And that kind of reminded me, looking back, of like Kelvin York and Clinton Ganther, I mean, guys that just ran people over. It was. It was fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think Kelvin York only had like two good runs his whole career at Utah. <laughs> but but those two were one of them was memorable. Though. They were pretty impressive. <laughs> well, I think Whittingham said that so, like the light turned on for Moss uh, this past week, and hopefully he can keep that up. Um, yeah, hopefully it's it, not just because it was at USC and he was pumped for that, you know. But we saw promise the week before with Stanford, right? For sure. No, I, so, I, I do. I do agree. I think he's turned a corner. We, we turned the corner there. I thought uh, play calling, Troy Taylor did a fabulous job. Really, I really put his players in position to make plays. Yes, it took a trick play to get the offense the first touchdown. But overall, I... I Really, I hey, and, I, and I, I think that's why we can't harp too much because we saw so much greatness this past week, right? With Zach Moss, let's not throw around greatness. Okay, we we that. saw so many things that went well with Zach Moss <laughs> and Troy Taylor, uh, play calling ability and and moving the ball effectively that we haven't seen really all this year consistently, at least in in the first half. So I I, I agree. I think it's hard to get down on a loss like that i agree i and i i agree with you on the play calling thing i think the play calling was great yeah if i had one beef with the play calling i would probably go to the first drive of the second half or moving the ball and on third down they put in simpkins at quarterback in the wildcat formation and it kills the drive and then we didn't really get anything till that final drive after that. No, I think that's that's a valid point. And and on the fourth down, uh, where you got stopped, maybe we get a little bit too cute with that stuff or whatnot. But I think overall, as what we're seeing this offense mature and what we're seeing what Troy Taylor's trying to install, I'm coming away from this game with the future looking bright. Yeah, and and I, yeah, I would agree. I mean, you lose by one at USC. With your backup quarterback as a two touchdown underdog, so yeah, I think there's plenty of optimism to go around. But at the end of the day, 
if we want to get to where we want to get, which is to win the South and and play for a Pac-12 title, we we've got to start winning these. You've got to take advantage. But I think it's clear as day. When we joined the conference, USC clearly outmatched us. It was you know it took us to play a near flawless game to even compete, and you're not seeing that anymore. We match up well with them. We have the speed that they have. We have the, the you know, our big boys against their bo- big boys are handling their own. And I think we, we have grown up so much as, of, as a program over these last several years that, you know, if, if you're going into USC and you're matching what they're putting out on the field and you match that with our coaching situation, and the fact that we've got a better head coach, I mean, it, it's going to continue to, to um, provide dividends for this team and this program as our recruiting continues to get better and better each year. They really are rivals now, right? Well, look at how many games consistently <laughs> have come down to the wire. The, the last play, the last drive. And yeah, that's how rivalries have, are, are made. I mean, the Pac-12 would, wants us to have this rivalry <laughs> with Colorado. And sure, they upset us early, and uh, it's kind of gone back and forth. But there's not the hatred. There's not that just that excitement uh, between Utah and Colorado that, like there is and has formed between Utah and USC. All right, so let's get into it. The two-point conversion. Love it. Cameron, how did you feel about it? <laughs> All right. Before I get hate tweets, <laughs> I didn't want to go for two. I wanted to. Kick, I wanted to kick the PAT and go into overtime. He was happy for a close loss. Now, I don't fault Wit for making the decision. Well, that's big of you. Well, thank you. But <laughs> his reasoning behind it. I completely see why he made that decision. I can't fault him for that decision. And I'm not even saying that he made the wrong decision. I'm just saying for me, if I was the head coach, I would have kicked the PAT because I I don't trust that offense on the goal line with your backup quarterback. I would rather go into overtime and put faith in the defense. And yes, I know the second half, they didn't show well. But I trust a Winningham defense more than I do this offense okay. on the goal line. Okay, so let me ask you a question. If you don't trust our offense to go three yards in one play to win the game, how are you going to trust them on the 25-yard line to go 25 yards and score and maybe have to do it multiple times to win? Because we've seen how this team struggles on the goal line. We've seen how this team... But you're, ba- you're basically saying... Our our biggest weakness as a team is the red zone. So you're basically saying, "All right, Utah, we're gonna no, put, we're gonna start I will you say this. right at the red I zone." I will say this: Yes, our red zone, uh, the red zone and offense go beat is poor, but our goal line offense is even worse. Well, it doesn't matter if you're against the goal line or if you're at the 19 yard line. If you're not making the, if you're not getting the ball into the end zone, you're settling from three for three points, whether it's from the one yard line or the 19. So it doesn't change anything. You got to get the ball in the end zone. You got to get yes, I, you of do. Course. But I think the bigger factor, 
I think the bigger factor in all of that is is not the offense. It was it's the defense. They were so gassed in that second half. You're asking them to stop USC probably maybe more than one time in an in an overtime period, and it's just they could they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it the whole second for half. three consecutive drives. Not not to mention. Okay, not to mention. No, I don't know why. Listen, I don't know listen. why you guys are attacking me because I'm not saying just, it was just, the not bad attack, decision. I'm not attacking you. I'm, I'm just saying I'm I just, would have kicked the PAT. I'm just throwing this out. And there. obviously, I'm right because Utah no, failed. Heavens, heavens. To, yeah. <laughs> would you rather you get to put? Let's say they're equal teams. You're going to put two equal teams out there, and one team has Sam Darnold, who was really good in that game, and the other has a backup quarterback who. Is very streaky, and I like your chances. Give it one shot. Yeah, it didn't work out. I still would do it again. And I loved Wit's answer. I loved how definitive he was. He didn't waver. He was there to win the ball game. It didn't work out. That's unfortunate. But you know what? Good play call. You have a quarterback who actually knows how to keep his eyes downfield. And he could, he, I mean, he could have thrown that behind his back, like a behind the pack, behind the back pass, and Carrington would have caught that with nobody within five yards of him. I think lost in all of this, win or lose, that decision instills confidence in the offense. Sure, they didn't get it. They didn't execute. Someone didn't execute. Whoever made the mistake, whatever. But oh, you know who that's didn't him make, who telling made the mistake. <laughs> but that's him telling the offense, I have the confidence in you to go out there and get this done on the road. I, I think that play pays off dividends down the road, too. All right, so this is a clip from Colin Cowherd. Uh, he had a little segment on his show on, on a national level talking about uh, the decision to go for two and winning him. 28-27, Utah just scored. 40 seconds left. They go for two points in the win. They don't play it safe. They don't want to go to overtime. They go for two with a chance to beat USC for the first time in L.A. since 1916. By the way, I remember that game. It was fantastic. Here's the play. What a decision by Kyle Whittingham. Here's Williams. Trying to get there for the lead. He'll come up short. He'll be stopped. Williams comes up short. And Utah might be short as well. Great gutsy call. First of all, Utah's defense was completely gassed. They'd given up a 98, a 93, and an 88-yard drive in the second half. You didn't want to take that defense to overtime because USC would have scored for as long as overtime would have lasted. Secondly, you're a two-touchdown underdog on the road in a place you haven't won in 101 years, you go for it. Everybody loves the aggressive coach. By the way, there was a guy back in the end zone that was wide open and the quarterback decided to run. There was a wide open wide receiver in the back of the end zone. They should have won the football game. Context. You've got the lesser of two quarterbacks. You're on the road. You don't have their roster. You haven't won here in 100 years. You don't go to overtime against Sam Darnold, who has a much more rested defense and, frankly, more NFL bodies offense and defense. That is the call you make. 
don't base everything on results. Every one of you wants an aggressive coach. You're the same fan that yells, we don't blitz enough. We never go for it on fourth down. Kyle Whittingham is a great football coach at a good program, and he made the exact move you make when you're Utah as a two-touchdown dog. You were one play from a win. You go to overtime, you're 25 yards and an exhausted defense away from a win. So I think Colin Cowherd makes a very good argument, very similar to what you guys are saying. And again, I'm not faulting Whittingham for doing it for all those reasons. I just myself, without Huntley in there, would have kicked the PAT. Yeah, and it's, I mean, hey, it's a its a valid opinion. And uh, there's many that, have, that share that opinion. Would have liked to see... And the result would have been the same. Well, I mean, we don't really know. I mean, who knows? Maybe... <laughs> Maybe Darnold goes out and fumbles again, and uh, we kick a field goal for the win. And so you never know what's going to happen. Well, and also to that point, if we score the PAT with 40 seconds left, who knows, USC could have marched down and kicked a field goal yeah, at the I end mean, of regulation. There's, there's a lot that could have unfolded um, in in overtime or even, you know, yeah, those last 42 seconds. But, again, you know, very good points. Interesting that Cowherd calls Whittingham a great coach, and and but yet we're only a good program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that caught my my attention too, and also, to, I mean, I agreed with most of what he said, except for he, he did say that USC has uh, the better talent, which I would argue with as well. But well, yeah, I mean, look what we did. We put more in the NFL last year than any other Pac-12 program. And we're probably going to be right up there again with uh, um, with what we put into the NFL. So talent-wise, but again, we're Utah. We don't get the USC publicity. Sam Darnold was on SportsCenter every other day in the offseason. So, you know, yeah. we are Utah. We're not going to get that publicity, that hype. Um, but people are going to call us a good program and nothing beyond that until we actually prove something till we win the Pac-12 till we make a Rose Bowl till we do something on a big stage again cuz it's been a while winning Vegas bowls and whatever other bowls sun bowls and whatever it's fun but you're not going to get you're not going to achieve greatness doing that i think that's a good point cuz i think not only do we have to you know win the South, compete for Pac-12 championships, but you, I, I think Utah would have to do it consistently year in and year out to well, get that respect. Yeah, I mean, you'd almost have to do similar to what Stanford did. Stanford was kind of just a blob Pac-10 team for how many years? And here came Harbaugh, got him going again. He leaves, Shaw takes over, and, you know, they've won three Pac-12 titles. And they've been consistently up there. We have been consistently right there, but we have not been able to take one last step and win the South, play for a title, win a title, and go to the Rose Bowl. And, yeah, if we can do that, watch out. Then the sky's the limit. But we got to get there first. Well, I think the missing piece, which I think we all agree on, is a solid quarter well more than a solid quarterback we've had serviceable quarterbacks over the last few years but a quarterback that stands out that 
can make plays and win games. And with Huntley, you see that potential. No, you do. You definitely see it. I mean, look look at the Green Bay game. I Granted, this is the NFL. But Green Bay has been pretty darn good this year. Aaron Rodgers goes out with a broken collarbone, and they were awful the rest of that game. And are probably going to yeah. be pretty awful until he gets back. A quarterback, a good quarterback, makes the world a difference. And, I mean, look at how look at how good our offense was when Alex Smith was running it. If you've got a guy who at least can have some NFL consideration, you're gonna you're gonna do well in the college game. But if you're consistently yeah. having quarterbacks who are never gonna sniff the NFL running your program, you're probably gonna be in the good category and not the great category. Okay, and as we kind of transition over to the defense uh, recap of the game. Uh, that's brought to you by our sponsor at Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown, 110 West, 600 South, uh, 801-359-7800. So the defense, man, tell of two halves with them, really good in the first half, held USC to seven points, and really that touchdown came on, on, a, on a busted play, just a misassignment. Uh, I, I can live with that. With this, with a young defense like that, but the second half, good golly! I mean, Sam Darnold finished with 358 yards. Yikes! Uh, just really, just tore the defense apart. Really, the secondary, we couldn't get any pressure on him. Well, I think that was that's the biggest factor. I don't think our secondary really played all that awful. They missed, uh, you know, Casey Hughes missed a couple of jams, which then allowed the wide receiver to just get right past him for some big gains. But I, I, I thought the secondary played pretty well. You got to give Sam Darnold a lot of credit. He's good. He, no, he's really, a really good. good quarterback. And he, th- he throws well and accurate on the run. And he was scrambling all over the place. And because we couldn't get home and sack him, he made us pay. I mean, you're you're asking the secondary in some of those cases to cover for eight, ten seconds. I don't know if it was quite ten seconds, but you know what I'm saying. Instead of just a a, a three step drop and he's getting the ball out, you're asking the secondary to cover for a long period of time over and over and over again against a really accurate quarterback. That's just not going to end well. I think the a big key on this is USC finished uh, on the game for third down seven of fourteen. Yeah, well, fifty percent. Fifty percent, pretty much where you want to be. And for on the that. second half, they were they were above fifty percent. Yeah, well, exactly because they were pretty awful in that first half, and so they made up for it in that second half. And uh, yeah, we didn't. We I think they punted. If I recall, they punted once in that second half. And we we couldn't get him off the field. Third and ten, third and nine, fourth and nine. Although that fourth and nine, he was down. He with his knee on the ground, about one and a half yards yeah. short. But of course, they had some help from the refs on that one. But Pac-12 refs. We should have a segment each week, just breaking down the mistakes of the Pac-12 refs. <laughs> that would like take up half our show. <laughs> It would. Hey, well, kind of going back to what you were saying, Scott, how Darnold was able to uh, 
you know, keep plays alive and we couldn't, we, we couldn't bring him down. And that, that's how they kept extending those drives and ended up scoring. It's kind of what, kind of the talk in, uh, towards the end of fall camp and in the beginning of the season was, is why they chose Huntley over Williams because his ability to extend the play. I mean, that's, that's essentially what we're talking about. When something breaks down, you're looking for a guy who can escape the pocket that's collapsing, find somebody, keep your eyes open while you're running around and, and find a guy to make a play. And that's what he did. Yeah, because in a lot of those situations, as he went through progressions, guys weren't open, That's which is what forced him to scramble. And then in scrambling, mm-hmm. either he picked it up by himself with his legs or he found a guy. And, and, and some of those wide receivers and tight ends made some pretty nice catches um, on some of those. Yeah. So t- tough, some tough blows, uh, but yeah, you... I mean, if you want to win, you got to get them off the field. You can't allow those type of long drives. And yes, Fitz, Fitz is out. Can't stay healthy. Anai got banged up again. He's not a hundred percent. You're bringing in Henning Henninger, who is a walk-on sophomore, who played pretty well, but he is not going to go out and sack guys. <laughs> And we no, just, well, neither is Caleb Rep either. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I. But if if you look at our DNs, we've talked about how deep we are from Tupai, who can't even get on the field. Chris Hart, Fitz, Anai, uh, Caleb Rep, but yet none of those guys have really established themselves as a sack artist, a guy can who can consistently get to the quarterback. Pitti last year, he could do that. Nate Orchard before him, he could do that. Um, Hunter Dimmick. Hunter Dimmick before that could do it. We don't really have that guy. The, don't get me wrong; they're still talented. Fits. They do a good job, but they—they're just. I wouldn't say getting to the quarterback is any of their strengths. No, but and that's got to change, though. Or there, I mean, if we can't get to the quarterback, you're going to be asking these these corners and these safeties to cover and eventually it's going to, I mean, well, it did, it did get us on Saturday, but it's going to keep getting us. Yeah. Well, and in a lot of cases, even when we're bringing extra guys and we're blitzing, we're not getting the quarterback down. And, and that's why we've been killed on some of these third downs. When we blitz, we we're just not getting to them in time. And and that makes it really hard on the secondary because they can't they're not always going to win when uh, they've got to stay with these top end Pac-12 wideouts. So hopefully, I, I would think that has got to be where we see the progress throughout the rest of the season. Is we've got to even if you're not putting him down, you've got to be consistently hitting him and putting pressure on him so that he's not comfortable as as he's releasing. And, you know, we've got the guys. The question is, um, can they can they get it done? Because, yeah, t- two weeks in a row without a sack, that is not Utah defense. That's, uh, you know, we're not really we're not really used to seeing that, unfortunately. So uh, or fortunately. So hopefully we can get it corrected. But I, I think that was probably the biggest reason why 
USC just ran all over us, and, and their offense was just running, just killing us at will in that second half. So that's kind of the recap and thoughts that we had on the game. We'd love to hear what you have to say, and you can tweet us at Utah Man Podcast. Uh, before we go into ASU, uh, that segment is brought to you by our sponsor at Farmers Insurance. For protecting your home, vehicle, and family, look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. All right, so the Arizona State Sun Devils are coming into Salt Lake. I'm surprised by this. Utah's right now, we're recording this Tuesday night, Utah's favored by like nine and a half. Over a team who just, who just pretty much dominated Washington. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I'll take it. What is up with that? Vegas is all over the board this year. Utah is perfect against the spreads this season, too. Yeah, I like it. I mean, this is... I'm interested to see how ASU plays this week because for the past two seasons they haven't been able to stop anybody and they shut down completely shut down Washington's offense well it almost makes you think Vegas thinks that's an anomaly (laughs) because if they really thought ASU was that good and we were struggling we would not be a 10 point uh, favorite in this so I the fact that ASU has not done it outside of just last mm-hmm. week, can they replicate that? Can they do it again? Well, and here's the thing with with Arizona State. So they they beat Washington last week, thirteen to seven, and really it was their defense that won them that game. Their defense was constantly putting pressure on Jake Browning, making him very uncomfortable in the pocket, making him uh, run and try to find guys. And their secondary held up. The other big thing is they didn't give away the big plays. There were, I want to, I as far as what I saw, there was like three or four plays that could easily have been big touchdowns for Washington, uh, like a blown assignment from Arizona State, and someone else was able to to stop that touchdown from happening. I don't think that Arizona can, or excuse me, I don't think Arizona State can do that again in another week. Well, They really played out of their heads. And I'm not trying to talk down on them because I know I, I talked to someone uh, that covers Arizona State today. and You talked to PK? <laughs> I talked to a media member down there, and and he said there's a feel right now with that fan base that this team is is getting better, that it's turned that corner. They say, you know, they did, beat Oregon. Did you tell they beat Oregon. Graham is still their coach? <laughs> oh, they still love him down there. Uh, they they hung tough with, with Stanford, uh, losing by 10, and, and then coming out after, after the bye and beating Washington. A fan base and that coaching staff is what I was told, is, is that they can see that there's process or progress, and they feel pretty optimistic about coming into Salt Lake. The question's going to be for them, you just beat unexpectedly and in some cases dominated a uh, a top 10 team they reached a pretty big high how do they follow that up are they did it give them enough confidence where they're just going to come in and be rolling or are they going to kind of be too hyped up from last week and uh, do we see what type of performance do we see from them because this is a big game for the Utes if you don't take care of business you're you're 
have a three-game losing streak in the Pac-12 with still more difficult games to come. So we're going to put ourselves in a really tough situation. You know, I, I, I'm not even counting on getting, you know, winning the South. I think that's, unless some crazy things happen, I think that's gone. But at this point, have, still having a good season and making a, a good bowl game is what has to happen. And if we lose three straight this early in Pac-12 play, that is going to be really difficult to to come back from. So this is this is critical. We've got to take care of business. Coming in, we all kind of penciled this as a W. It, it has to stay a W, or we're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. How ASU reacts is definitely a, a key to to this game. But I have also have a hard time believing is as soft as their defense has been the last two weeks. You just don't turn that around in one game. Uh, I mean, it, it sounds like they, their defensive scheme against Washington, I mean, it, it, they executed it. It was a great scheme. But our offense is completely different than than Washington's. And I, well, I, you, you I can't would, defend it the same way. And I, I, It depends on who our quarterback is. If Huntley's in, then it, it is I think very that's different. Like, yeah, if, I think if Williams is in there. If Williams is in, you've got a quarterback who's not, real fleet of foot, uh, who is slow making his reads, and then you're going to be able to put pressure on Williams and force him into some bad situations. So, Now, granted, they did that without bringing a lot of extra guys. Their front four were... They were were dropping nine guys at times against Washington. Yeah, Yeah, and that's why they couldn't find anyone open downfield. And and yet the, the three or four guys that were rushing were still putting enough pressure on um Browning, Browning, that he had to he had to make a decision and he had to get rid of the ball, and so yeah, I mean they they played a well uh, schemed and they they executed extremely well, but I just don't have confidence that a Todd Graham defense can do that two weeks in a row. Maybe and we'll find out. No, they could prove us wrong, but they haven't proven to well, consistently. You're right, and and we have the added advantage of looking at how they defended Washington. The coaches have obviously studied all week on how, what what they did to stop Washington. So they're obviously devised some types of schemes to counter that if that's what they see. Yeah, I mean, Utah coaches now, they're going to they're gonna have this on film to be able to prepare and, 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 and be in a little better position than Washington was going in. But you're gonna have to you're gonna have to complete passes on them. And again, you look at what they've done this season. Right now, Arizona State is giving up 174 yards a game um, on the ground. They're eighth in the Pac-12. But they're giving up 174 yards on the ground. If the Zach Moss who showed up against USC shows up this week, they're not going to be able to drop that many guys into coverage to defend the pass. They're going to have to bring guys up to the line of scrimmage to defend the run, which will then in turn open passing lanes. So it completely destroys that type of scheme of oh, sure. the defense they it, played last it, week. If we, if we can take advantage of it, we, we sure. really haven't proven that we can consistently take advantage of somebody else's weakness. I mean, they're, they're giving up 267 a game through the air. 
which is 10th in the conference. So they're, I mean, they're near the bottom on really most all defensive statistics. So they're not great. They haven't proven to be great. Um, but we haven't proven to be great at taking advantage of everybody's, everybody's weaknesses either. So that's where, I mean, we keep harping on this. And we need Huntley back. He, he brings a different dimension that w- this offense needs. Well, now looking on the other side of the ball with their offense, Manny Wilkins is a decent quarterback. He's throwing what sixty six on the sixty six percent on the year. Uh, eight inter- uh, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. They don't really run the ball very well, which is surprising because that's what they did last year very well with Ballard in the wild exactly game. right and. And makes me a little bit nervous because that's Utah's strength is stopping the run and making teams throw on them. Whereas ASU likes to throw the ball around. That's what they do best. They're not really a rushing attack team. It will be interesting to see how Morgan Scally comes up with his scheme and his play calling to limit the throws by Manny Wilkins. Yeah, to your point, Cam, I mean, Colon. Kalen Ballage, who uh, who was running rough shot last year, he's only averaging 50 yards a game. Demario Richard, who's a good running back, is only averaging 43. So they're 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 not having nearly the amount of success through the through the ground. But Manny Wilkins has really progressed as a quarterback, and and uh, so they're definitely putting more weight on his shoulders to to do more through the passing game. You know, overall, this is a Todd Graham coached team, and his wristbands are not going to carry him to a victory. We already know we've got to protect our our signals so that he can't pick. <laughs> you got those the shower up. curtain. Yeah, back we got, there. got the shower curtain. You take away his number one strength, which is cheating, and he's really average. So. I uh, <laughs> I think I think the Utes will be okay if they show up and uh, and can execute. All right, so I always like to end the show with picking the score of the Utah game and as well as some Pac-12 games. It's my turn to go first this week. So I'm going to take Utah in a victory. Uh, I'm kind of thinking of the lines of Vegas. Uh, I think Utah comes away 31-21, to and Huntley returns and leads Utah to the victory. Ryan? I also think Huntley's going to play... Um and Utes win big thirty-eight seventeen. Whoa. Whoa! What are you having over in Indianapolis tonight? What did you have for dinner? In Indianapolis or Minneapolis? Wherever the heck you are. <laughs> Ryan's the traveling man. <laughs> Scott, where are you going? Yep. Huntley comes back. We win big, baby. Get off the schneid. I'm not quite that optimistic. I uh um I think the I think we win uh, 34 to uh, 21. So still pretty optimistic. That's not that far from <laughs> Okay, and then to recap our Pac-12 games on the season, I'm still in first place, 16 and 2, and Ryan and Scott are tied for last place at 15 and 3. <laughs> tied for last place. <laughs> tied for last. Oh, here we go. It's all about how you look at it, Cam. All right, so our first game we're picking is Oregon traveling to UCLA, where the Bruins are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite right now. 
by default. This one's really interesting. Jim Mora may be coaching for his life or his career at UCLA. Oregon, I can't get a good feel for what this team is this year. I, I think the Bruins come out and win. I'm going UCLA. Ryan? I would agree with that. I think I mean, both teams seem pretty brutal at this point, but uh, I think uh, UCLA wins the Battle of the Brutals. Scott? Oh, Oregon is awful without their starter. I mean, they can't even score points at this point. And uh, that is UCLA's strength. They just can't stop anybody. So, yeah, I think I'm going to unfortunately have to go with the pack on this one and uh, pick UCLA because I don't think Oregon has much of a chance. All right, and the next game is Arizona Wildcats are traveling to Berkeley to take on the Cal Golden Bears where Cal's coming off a very big win against Washington State. Uh, Arizona's favored by three points right now. This should, this should be a pretty good game. I think actually. it'll be a good game, and especially with Arizona changing up their quarterback with Tate. He hasn't been stopped yet. I I think it will be close, but I re- I I think this Wildcat team is a a good team right now. So I'm taking Wildcats. We got them at the bear right down. down, Ryan. I'm gonna go with Arizona too. They're they're looking pretty good with uh, that move to Kate quarterback. Luckily, they were still playing the still playing the other guy Dawkins when we played them. Not so fast, my friends. Ooh. Now I am going to. I'm gonna. This is this is my ploy to to get back uh, to Ty Cameron for the lead. Is I am going to go with uh, Cal on this. They're at home. They're playing really well. They've got a good defense, and uh, I think Arizona's luck has run out a little bit. I'm gonna go, gonna go with the Cal Bears. All right, and then our last game we're picking is Colorado's traveling to Pullman to take on Washington State. Washington's favored by 11 points right now. Colorado got their first win in league against a really bad Oregon State team. And honestly, Colorado just does not look good this year. They don't look good usually every year. They were a flash in the pan. They're back. They're back to. It'll be interesting to see how Washington State bounces back from a loss against Cal. But I, I, I still think Washington State's the better team here. So I'm going to go with the Cougars. Ryan. Yeah, I think Washington State bounces back and, and gets the win. <laughs> That's your cougar call? That's my pick. All right, so that will do it for us on this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Same place it was last week. That's Man underscore forever. All right, you can follow me and this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And you can always catch us on your favorite podcaster, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're always on there 24-7. And hopefully Utah gets a W this week. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kayak.
Well, good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.